Welcome listeners. Thank you for joining Chronically Jess. I'm your host, Jessica Viscarello, and as promised, here is part one of my health journey slash adventure. And it's funny to even say that because journeys usually conjure up images of passports and airplanes and mountains and beach vacations. But a journey is basically nothing but a story and it can be good or bad or anything in between. And this has been one heck of a journey. So I did not pop on last night as promised because yesterday was all about recovering and that is exactly what you should do when you're not feeling well is to focus on self-care and feeling better. So I'm in a good place and without further ado, let's get started with part one of my health story. I want to take it back to 2005 which was really when all of this started. And you might be wondering to yourself, how can somebody go through 15 years of looking for answers and begging for tests and not knowing what the heck was going on? How can you get one step closer to an answer or even get an answer about something that's wrong with you, but not something that ties it all together? That's how long I have been on this journey and how it all started is it was 2005 as I said and I was working for a software company and I had been feeling really really tired fatigued just overall general malaise really not feeling well at all so I went to my family doctor and he was not available during that first appointment and I saw a substitute doctor instead, or a backup doctor. Had a lot of labs taken, the typical history, so on and so forth. And the only thing of note at that point was that I was a female with very heavy cycles. And I do want to stop for a moment and mention that there will be maybe some trigger words and some very descriptive topics in this podcast, but I do think it's super crucial to use the correct terms and accurate words and, um, and clinical statements. So that said, had all of the tests and a couple of days later, I get a phone call from the doctor's office and the doctor says, you need to get to the hospital right away. And it was Memorial hospital that he was referring me to. He said, I have a room ready for you. And I said, well, what's going on? And he said, well, you're missing half your blood. And That was a bit of a shocker because I was like, well, where did it go? (laughs) Where was this blood? And then in this conversation, he also mentioned white blood cells. And anytime you hear that term, you think one of two things. High white blood cells means infection. Low blood cells means cancer. And I had been up to that point an extremely healthy child, an extremely healthy young adult. So to hear get to the hospital right now, was a little scary. So I got over to the hospital where they did more tests and said, well, your hemoglobin is a little bit low and your iron is a little bit low. You have heavy periods, go on birth control. And that is kind of what started it all. So in 2006, I started bleeding out the other end 
as well. So between heavy periods and heavy bleeding from my rectum, I was a mess. So I had a hemorrhoidectomy in 2006. And let me just tell you, that is an extremely painful procedure, a horrible recovery, one star, absolutely do not recommend. And it kind of helped my blood issue for a while. By that time, I was diagnosed as iron deficient anemia and had a couple of iron infusions, slap a Band-Aid on it, and away we go. In 2008, I had a LEAP procedure, and that's a very short abbreviation for a very long term. And that happened because during a regular, regular pap smear, pardon me, again, this is unfiltered, during regular pap smear, it was found that I had stage three cervical dysplasia, which is the last stage before cervical cancer happens. So I had a clean out procedure then and okay, fine. Away we go. So over the next two years, it was continuously struggling with being anemic and iron infusions. And I, at one point did get so low on blood that I had to have a blood transfusion. And during all of this, I was dating somebody who just wasn't a right match for me. I was really evaluating my life and where I wanted to go in terms of my career and my family. I had been divorced, I had not had any children, had never gotten pregnant, and while other people were having pregnancy scares, I was hoping, beyond hope, that somehow miraculously I would end up knocked up. Looking back, maybe that sounds a little bit irresponsible at the time, but it was what it was, and I wanted to be a mom. And taking it back a little bit, my mother had been diagnosed with endometriosis, at about my age now, which is 45. And there are some questions whether or not it's genetic. And with my symptoms of bad periods and pain and infertility, I saw several doctors and they all just said, you're just one of those women. You're always going to have this problem. Try to get pregnant and it will go away. And I know now that is a myth. So I spoke to my OBGYN and I said, I want to talk to somebody in terms of my fertility. Who can I see? And she referred me to a reproductive endocrinologist here in Jacksonville. And we went over my entire health history and the doctor said, I don't think you need to try to have a baby right now. I'd like to take a look around and see what is going on. And mind you, I had already made up my mind that I was going to have a child, whether, whether artificially inseminated or in vitro, I made up my mind, I was going to have a baby. And he said, not so fast. So I had my first laparoscopy in 2011. And that was when I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis. And at that point, even after lasering all of the endo off of my reproductive organs and my intestines, it was kind of too late by then. And the doctor said, I think we need to skip artificial insemination and try in vitro. And so that journey started. I had a donor picked out. I started having all of the labs. I had the prescriptions to 
really boost up my egg production, but then I was still symptomatic. So the doctor said, well, let's go in and let's look at your tubes and your ovaries and see what's going on. And I had an HSG procedure, which is where they flush your fallopian tubes with liquid just to see if they're open. And they weren't, they were completely blocked with endo disease again. And this was in the course of less than a year. So later that year, I had my second laparoscopy for stage four endometriosis again. And I also had another hemorrhoidectomy that year. So it was a mess. It was a very, very rough year in terms of my health. And at that point, it was more about fatigue and pain. So I decided to take a break. I said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to put the mom journey on the back burner, focus on my health, try to get my head together. And in December of 2011, and this is a trigger warning, I was sexually assaulted. I was drugged and assaulted in a limousine by a person who lives in Jacksonville and is very, very well known in the community. Nothing ever came of it. I could not prove anything and my case was dropped. And I decided to put my in vitro journey on the back burner because I thought, you know what? Nobody in their right mind is going to work with a woman who is going through this mental trauma. So I decided to wait. And meanwhile, I still had bad periods. I still was losing blood. I still was having to get iron and blood transfusions. And I was a mess. So that brings me to 2015. Actually, yeah, it was 2015. Sorry, I'm trying to keep my date straight. So I decided I'm going to see a new OBGYN. I want a fresh perspective. I want to talk to somebody brand new who doesn't know me. Let's start all over again. So I went to a teaching hospital in Gainesville, Florida to an OBGYN who came highly, highly recommended. And ironically, one of my best friends had also heard of him. So we made the trip together and we both had appointments on the same day. Her experience was not so great. I felt very comfortable with him. Um, That day I had a biopsy of my uterus and we talked about the fact that I would probably have to have another laparoscopy. And that year on my 40th birthday, actually it was my 41st birthday, but regardless, it was my birthday. It was the day I was supposed to be celebrating with friends and family. The doctor called and said, I think we need to do a hysterectomy and I think we need to do it quickly because that biopsy revealed hyperplasia with atypia, which is more precancerous cells on my uterus. It was the kind that develops very, very rapidly. And ironically enough, that type of cell only happens in postmenopausal women who are usually on the heavier side. And if you guys know me, you know, there's not much to me. So didn't really have a choice. It had to come out. I pretty much knew I was infertile at that point. And so off I went to Gainesville to have my hysterectomy. It was a total abdominal hysterectomy, meaning they cut me from hip to hip and took everything out. It was an eight hour surgery. My endometriosis was all over the place. It was on my reproductive organs. It was on my intestines. It was on my stomach wall. My uterus was flipped upside down and attached to basically to my back. 
that was tough. It's been 10 minutes. I'm going to stop there. That is part one. is going to be all about everything that I've dealt with since my hysterectomy. My goal here is not to scare anybody, it's to inform and to educate. And I'm hopeful that by sharing my story, somebody out there is listening and thinking, gosh, this person didn't stop. They kept looking for answers. They kept going, they kept going. But I'm also gonna warn you that part two is gonna talk a lot about the mental health aspect and where my head is right now. Um, I'm also hopeful that anybody who is listening to this who has just talked to me in passing or maybe we work together and no no shade whatsoever but some people have only gotten bits and pieces of this as I've shared or as we've had a chance to talk and I'm just hopeful that from start to finish somebody will somebody will get it and understand and take something from this so I'm going to stop there That's just kind of the intro and we're going to pick up next week with part two and then going forward, we're going to get into the meat of chronic illness and all of the things that we talked about in the welcome message. I hope you're all well. I am so appreciative of everybody who has listened tonight. If you have any questions, please reach out. I'm going to add a voice message option to this podcast. If you want to talk, If you want somebody to listen, if you have a question, a tip, an idea, that's what the voice message function will be for. Again, this this episode was recorded completely unscripted with some very loose notes, uh, just unfiltered, unedited. I feel like it's really important to just get all of this out. It's very cathartic. It's kind of like a journal for me. And to be honest, life does not have a script. Life does not have edits. Life does not have mulligans and do-overs. It's start to finish. So that's why I'm doing it this way. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. Be kind to each other. And we'll see you next Monday.